Good morning, church. Are you blessed today? I am blessed today. It is a blessing to be with you all this morning, to be able to stand up here and share from the Word of God, to read these scriptures with you, to celebrate this Advent season, to celebrate it with you all. It has become a Get it together, Nate. It's been a blessing to me, my family, to celebrate this time. I told you guys last year that I hadn't really experienced Advent before being a part of redemption. And, uh, man, these verses, so powerful. And to think that At this point in time, not just our church, but churches all over the world are reading these same scriptures, and they're hearing a message of the good news of the gospel today, all together. And it fills me with joy. It fills me with gladness to look at these two portions of scripture. When I looked at them and and I thought, Where am I going to start? What am I going to say? Well, usually, when you're in the Old Testament, you go back and you read the Old Testament and you point it to who? To Jesus. I'm like, well, you guys are too smart for me to keep that part a secret before I point it to Jesus because it's obvious what we're talking about here in Isaiah. It's obvious who it's talking about. So how about this? How about we start with Jesus? How does that sound? Sound good? So let's start with Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we know that he doesn't come until the New Testament in physical form. We don't see him until then. And I want, to, I want us to look back, or I guess forward, to Luke chapter 4. We've been going as a church through the book of Luke. And we've been uh, hearing beautiful and wonderful sermons. In the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 22, you have Jesus who has come back home. You have Jesus who has gone out into the wilderness and come back and he's about to start his ministry. How many of you remember how far back we, we heard this sermon? Anybody? Anybody know? Anybody got that sharp mind? It was a year ago in October. I had to look it up. I wasn't here. I happened to be in Dallas that day. But how many of you are note takers? How many note takers in here? Good job, good job. You might be able to look back at your notes and say, okay, I remember it was this day. It was October 16th, and we talked about Jesus in the tabernacle. I tell my students all the time, a dull pencil is better than a sharp mind. 
A dull pencil is better than a sharp mind. Daniela knows. She's in my Sunday school class before. Meaning, you might be really smart. Some of you can't remember what happened yesterday. TBH, right? I'm saying take notes, not because what I'm about to say is is so important that you've never heard before. Not for not for my sake, but for your sake. So that you can remember what God is speaking to you, what God's putting in your mind, so that you can remember if if anything for a good community group discussion when you meet together with the brothers and sisters in Christ in your small group, so that you can put something into that conversation that will build each other up. So, that was for free. That's not part of my sermon. But, let's look back at Jesus. And he's come home. And it's the Sabbath. And he walks in the doors. And his reputation is already preceding him. Everybody's probably staring at him as he walks up. He walks up to the front. And he's handed a scroll. If you remember, it was a scroll of Isaiah. And he takes that scroll. And he chooses where he wants to read from. Guess where he's reading from? Isaiah 61. Although, in those days it was a scroll, and there's no chapters, and no verses, so it's not like he said, we're going to start here in verse 1. But he began because he had a purpose. He read these scriptures, and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord God has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scripture, and he handed it back to them. And then he said this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jared, where you at? There you are, there you are. If it was today, and Jesus walked in, he'd stand there and say, I'm him. I'm him. That's what he would say. I'm the one that this is talking about. It's me that these scriptures are talking about. And then he gave this beautiful sermon. And everybody was in awe. And everybody stood there or sat there in wonder. And they're questioning and they're asking themselves, who is this man? Who, who is this guy? We know this guy. He's little Joshua, the son of Joseph. We saw him grow up. Who is this man who is filled with the Spirit? But what was Jesus doing? He was laying out a plan. It's like, 
Whenever you're in school and you take that speech class, how many of you took that college speech class? Or in high school, you take the speech class. And what's the first thing that they tell you to do when you stand up and speak? They say, start off by telling them what you're going to say. And then you tell them what you said you were going to say. And then you finish by telling them what you just said. Right? That's, that's the whole core. I think this is kind of what Jesus is doing. He's doing it a little bit differently, though, with this. This right here is where God tells us what the plan is. What he's going to do, what he's done, and how it happened. Turn to your neighbor. Say, God has a plan. Turn to your other neighbor. Tell him, God has a plan. He told us in the Old Testament, here's what I'm going to do. And then in the New Testament, he tells us what he did. Right? And now we get to watch and we get to experience as he completes what he said he was going to do. And we get to be a part of it. Amen? Before we go on, let me pray one more time as we get into Isaiah. God, you are awesome. You are great. You are good to us. God, I thank you so much for the blessing that is to be here in this place, worshiping your holy name, shouting for joy at the top of our lungs. And God, I pray that you would be with us as we listen to these words of Isaiah. I pray that we would find this joy that we've never had before, or that you would renew the joy that we once had. God, I pray that you would use me. Let me speak what you have asked me to say. And nothing more. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him God's got a plan. So let's look back at Isaiah. 700 years prior to that book of Luke. 700 years. That's a long time. And we look back at Isaiah 61. Because he's laying out his plan. And isn't it beautiful how God lays out his plan because he knows what he's doing? It's all connecting together. Isaiah 61, Luke 4. It's all coming together. It's beautiful and it's amazing to be able to read these scriptures and say, man, look how God did that. Look how God put it together. Look what he's doing here. Look what he's doing there. And it blows my mind every single time. Every single time I get to look back. And see what God has done. So today's lectionary in this third week, the week of joy in Advent, Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1, he's laying out his plan. Verse 1, he sent his anointed one to do what? To bring the good news. To bring the good news. And I want to stop right there for just a moment. 
If there's good news, does that also imply that there's bad news? Yeah. And I want to look back using Isaiah because last year we kind of were in a different part of Isaiah. We were in the first kind of chunk of Isaiah. And in the first chunk of Isaiah, you have the Assyrian threat and you have God's people who are seeking worldly securities. And and I preached about in, in chapter 11 how how you had this stump of Jesse that was just chopped down. And Israel was just it's seemingly ceasing to exist. And then you have the second chunk and Israel is kicked out. You have the, the Babylonian exile as a consequence of, of the Israelites idolatry and their disobedience. And then you have the third chunk, whereas we're at in this Advent season, where God gives hope, where Isaiah shows them what God is going to do. And he gives the many prophecies of redemption. And so, as we look here, we have some, some bad news in that second chunk. Israel was exiled. That wasn't the plan, at least for them. God had the promised land laid out. Israel was feeling good about themselves. We, we finally made it. We're here. We're in the promised land. And then they lost it all. And they were left with the stump. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought, man, yeah, things are good. Finally made it. We, we, we're doing good. We're doing well. Life is finally smoothing out. Now, bam! Get swept off your feet. You get knocked out by the things of this world. But you know what? It's nothing new. It's actually the oldest story in this book. You go back to the very beginning, literally Genesis. You remember the beginning? Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Everything is wonderful. Everything is beautiful. They have so much food. They're just walking around with no care in the world. And then, bam! Are you awake? They get hit. They get hit. And Satan, the deceiver, does what he's best at. And he turns everything upside down. He tempted Adam to sin. And Adam fell. And as a result, he had some consequences with that fall. And he was removed from the Garden of Eden and removed from the presence of Yahweh. That's the bad news. That's the sad news. The bad news is that you and I, you and I are the recipients of those consequences as well. 
We've inherited sin. And therefore death and separation from God. And that's bad news. But guess what? Today's candle is joy. So that means there's good news. There's good news ahead. Tell your neighbor, there's good news. Tell your neighbor, God's got a plan. God's plan is redemption, church. God's plan is restoration. God's plan is laid out right here in these scriptures. So, there's no way that we can get through all of Isaiah 61 in these verses. There's no way I can go through all of them, but I want to highlight a few. I want to highlight a few that are here in uh, Isaiah 61. And I want to look at what he said his plan was. What is he going to do? What did he say in, in verses 2 through 3? So he says, he sent his anointed one, who is Jesus, to do what? To bring the good news. To whom? To the poor. To the afflicted. In the Spanish, I looked it up just out of curiosity. It says, to the humble. I think what Jesus meant here is the same thing. What Jesus meant with this is the same thing that he said in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, Blessed are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Isaiah goes on and he says that he came to bind up the brokenhearted. Have you ever been brokenhearted? And you need somebody to come and put the pieces together? Many of you have. Israel was brokenhearted. And they needed somebody to pull it all back together. Then Isaiah says that he came to proclaim liberty to the captives. How many times do we read in these scriptures that Israel was taken captive? They would go, they would do great, and then they'd fall. They would go, and they would do great, and then they'd fall. And I think the, uh, the captivity can relate to us because we're captive by the sin that so easily entangles us. And we need to be freed we need to be taken out of this prison of sin. And then he says that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I think this is where Psalm 126 comes into play. If you would, turn with me to Psalm 126. Verses 1 through 4. The psalmist has a song that he sings out of joy. Aren't you thankful for songs that we can sing like this morning? These people up here on stage, so talented, 
And the people that write these lyrics are so talented so that we can be able to express to our God the joy that we have inside and that he has given us. And here, he says this. He says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams of the Negev. God restored Israel from the captivity of Babylon. And I say that this was that point. This was one of those songs where they were rejoicing that they had been restored. They thought this day would never come. And they rejoiced and they wrote songs about it so that we can look back and see what God has done and see that he has a plan he said he was going to do, and then he did it, and he followed through with it, and we get to read about it here and take joy in his actions. Isaiah goes on, and, and there's so much more in here that we could say. There's so much more that we could look at, and I can leave that to you for homework, I guess, but as we look forward to this Advent, we look forward now to a second Advent. And the Bible says this, because it's like, what do we have to do with Israel? And what, is, what does this all have to do with us? How, does it, how do we relate in all of this situation? Well, in John 3.16, everybody knows, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But in verse 17 he says, But he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him they might be saved. And today is a day of joy. Today is not the day where we say that all the bad news, but we say the gospel is the good news of joy and redemption. Second Peter 3.9 talks about how God's will is that none should perish but that all would come to repentance, that they would lay it all down and they would come back to him, just like we see Israel doing. God has fulfilled this redemption plan. He sent his son, and all you have to do is receive it. And if you're a believer, we're called to live this out, to live out these words of Christ, to proclaim the good news to all those we meet. We're called to proclaim the year of jubilee, the year of joy, to tell the people that there's freedom in Christ. And if you're not a believer, receive that gift of redemption today. Be free from the sin that oppresses you. Be free from the worries and the anxieties of this world. Be free from the yoke of religion 
that makes you think that you have to do and perform all these things. Be free from conforming to the pressures of this world and the gaining of wealth. Be free from the guilt of the past. The yoke that sometimes we put on ourselves. Be free to live that life that God has given you in Christ Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you lay it all down. Today you can receive the joy of salvation. But I also know that this time of year doesn't always bring joy. For some of you, this time of year is difficult. It's difficult to find the momentary happiness. But today, we're talking about joy. A joy that surpasses anything that's going on in this, in this world. I think of the second part of Psalm 126. If you'll go back there. Verses 5 and 6. It says this. Those who sow in tears shall reap and shouts of joy. And he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Some of you shed tears during this time of year. Some of you are hurting for the loved ones that are lost in this world. God sees your tears. Some of you who work in the apartment complex ministries. Man, God bless you because God sees your tears for those people that you're talking to day after day and you're sowing those seeds. Psalm 126 says, There shall come a day with shouts of joy and you shall reap what you have sown. You'll get to see it one day. Maybe not here. Maybe in heaven. You get to see what God's plan was for these people's lives. And some of you are still hurting. Some of you are parents with children who've gone astray. God sees your tears. Some of you have testimonies of how you prayed for that child and you never gave up. God restored that child and brought him home. God sees your tears. God sees the tears of the spouse whose husband or wife hasn't come to know Jesus and doesn't have that joy of redemption. God sees your tears. I'm reminded of uh, a song that we used to sing back in the day. 
says, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. That song's been in my, stuck in my head like for the past two weeks. And in that song, at the end of the verse, it's Psalm 30. It says, though the sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. God's not done yet. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's not done yet. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him, God's got a plan. God's plan is redemption. God's plan is to set you free. God's plan is to restore that relationship that was broken all the way back here in Genesis. I want to end with Isaiah 61 and read verses 8 through through 11. And it gives us a glimpse of what God's doing, what he's done, and how we can respond to what he's done. So verse 8, he says, For I, the Lord, love justice, and I hate robbery and wrong, and I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them, And their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. And all who see them will acknowledge them that they are the offspring of the Lord, that the Lord has blessed. And then we, as believers, will be able to say, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt My God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with beautiful, with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown to sprout up, So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Amen. Amen. There is a future, church. There is a future where God is going to make all things right. There is a God of justice who sees the oppression that is going on today and going to make all things right. So today, I invite you to lay it all down. Because we're part of this plan. We have a purpose in this plan. To continue to tell the world. So as I close today, would you close your eyes for a moment. As the band comes up. Think about where you are in this season, in this season of Advent. Are you brokenhearted? Are you carrying around the yoke 
of sin? Are you carrying around a burden that you feel like you just can't handle? Give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus today. And if you want to know what that's like, if you want to talk to somebody, please come. Talk to Brother John Mark. Talk to any of the elders. Go speak to someone today and receive the joy of redemption. This next song that we're about to sing is a song of joy but also a song of commitment. So I invite you to come pray if you need to come pray. Listen to these lyrics that are so beautifully put together and know that God wants to restore that relationship. Let's pray. God, you are awesome. You are great. You are good. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time that we have to gather here together. Our brothers and sisters, God, I pray this morning, wherever we find ourselves, that you would make your light shine the joy of your salvation would come upon each and every one of us. That we would go from this place different. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Knowing that you have a plan and that we are part of it. God, I thank you. I thank you for these words from Isaiah. I thank you for showing us what the plan was, how you're fulfilling that plan. I thank you for including us in that plan just because you love us. So God, I pray that we will continue to honor you in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name.